Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255. And just like that, it's the end of March, the last show of March, gentlemen. Mr. Napolitano, Mr. Rushforth, good day. Good morning, and what shows this without us being in the studio? 103. And what is this? 103. So, Paul, so oh, Paul, what have you go. done with the, with the money you saved and the three breakfasts you would have bought in the last 103 shows? <laughs> <laughs> what is this total show for us now? Uh, 734, I think, something like, something like that. Yeah, yeah a little more than that, I think. We're close wow. to 740. So you'd think we'd be better, though, eh? but by this point. But... Eventually, we're going to be good, you know, maybe by 1,000. Yep. <laughs> all, the only difference since the first show is we all seem to have aged a little. <laughs> no, not me. Yeah, not, me. No. not me with his reading glasses. No, no. Yeah, yeah, with his reading glasses <laughs> and platinum blonde look. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, I, I, guess going blind for sure. I guess trying to keep up with the market ages you, right, Paul? It's so many changes, so much reading to do every week. No, it's having to manage people that ages you, to be honest with you. I'm running over. <laughs> Running a very successful real estate team definitely ages you for sure. <laughs> How's yeah. the week? Try working with lenders today. Yeah. Try working with lenders that are short staffed, uh, being told to follow the dot every I and cross every T. The amount of work or uh, investigations they're doing on every single document is off the charts. We've never experienced anything like it. And ever. What, what's the reason for that, Frank? Ever. They're just being careful. They feel like there's. You know that, and not, I don't think they feel like the the real estate bubble is going to pop. They just feel like with inflation and everything that they want to make sure that they're going to be able to collect payments. I mean, I think there's some lenders that are fearing. And listen, we've gone through a crazy two years of a pandemic, and uh, you know where everybody at the beginning of it, certainly in March and April of 2020, thought, "Oh my God, the world's going to fall apart." To these, uh, especially when they were uh, delaying mortgage payments for three months, six months, just to help people out where lenders and banks thought that they were going to be in trouble to realizing that it, this is more profitable than ever. They cut back on some staff, yet the business got busier. They're not able to hire anybody right now. They're they're just having a hard time finding good people to hire. And then you've got the government fingers in, in the banks and OSFI, um, you know, just monitoring mortgages more careful than ever. And everybody's being asked, it, it, you know, especially consumers that maybe bought a house five years ago, and we asked for a, you know, a letter and a pay stub, and that was enough. Today, lenders are asking for a letter, pay stub, T fours, uh, three months bank statements, verbally calling the employer. It's off the charts, and on down payments, it's even worse. They absolutely look at every single deposit that the customers made over a ninety day period and need explanations for anything that's not a payroll deposit. It's just gone way too far. Yeah, but unfortunately, it's the world we live in today. At what point do you think it becomes too invasive, though? I, like, I think we're it there. It is right now. I think we're there, yeah. We're there. Now, again, I mean, the banks are all voting for open banking. So they want the government to pass this open banking rule where, you know, the customers don't have to provide us with statements. They just sign a document that gives the whoever the mortgage lender is authorization to look at their bank accounts to see what the activity is like. And they all use this money laundering as their anti-money laundering policy. But what, one-tenth of one percent of people do any form of illegal money transfers? So the other 99.9% of people are, are 
are now having to open up their books and everything because of that one tenth of one percent. It just it feels ridiculous. And we're the ones who are the messengers and it's hard on us. And then customers get mad at us. But all we're trying to do is just, you know, get their mortgage approved and be able to give them the mortgage. And a lot of them say, well, I went to the bank and this didn't happen to me. Well, it didn't happen five years ago to me either. It's just happening now. It's it's across the board. It's just not it's just not us. It's everybody it's happening to right now. Are lenders getting more stringent because they know rates are going up? Well, again, I mean, we've uh, we've hit up, and Paul Taylor is going to join us from Mortgage Professionals Canada in the next segment. But uh, you know, we just spent uh, a week uh, speaking with MPs, federal MPs here in Ottawa and on Zoom. And um, uh, you know, what's interesting is that we are, you know, we've been talking about you know the way uh, the qualifying rate is five and a quarter or two percent above your contract rate. Well, the five and a quarter doesn't apply anymore because now, you know, five-year high-ratio insured mortgages range anywhere between 3.39 to 3.59. So, therefore, we're having to qualify at 5.39 to 5.59 instead of five and a quarter. And if and if you're buying a house with more than 20%, those rates are closer to 4% today. So, now you're having to qualify at 6%. So, you know, all of that, you know, that, that mortgage qualifying rate, which... You know, just a short 14 months ago was was almost, you know, three and a half percent more than what your contract rate was. All of a sudden doesn't even apply. That's how much rates have gone up. We've seen the bond market on March the 7th. The five year bond market was at one point four six and the bond market determines what the fixed rates are. So it was a one point four six percent. Yesterday closed at two point six. We've got we've seen it gone up one point two percent in three weeks. And therefore, that's why we're seeing the mortgage rates go uh, go crazy the way they are right now. Every day, there's rate changes. Never seen anything like it. So you're telling me that you've got to pay, you got to qualify at a higher rate if you have a bigger down payment. Uh, you got to qualify at whatever the contract rate is, plus two, or five and a quarter, the higher of the two. So if you're getting a variable rate mortgage, so variable rate mortgages are still extremely attractive. There's still lenders offering 1.2 below prime. So with prime rate being a 2.7, you're able to get a mortgage of one and a half percent, a variable rate mortgage of one and a half percent if you're a high ratio insured purchase. But you still got to qualify at five and a quarter. So, um, you know, it's still tough to qualify. But that being said, you're getting... even more than ever now, we, we've got more customers not even wanting to talk about fixed rates because they're looking at the variable rate and saying it's such a big difference between the two that I'll take my chances with the variable yeah. rate right now. Paul, are there any homes where people can spend all this money? <laughs> well, you know what? It was, it's an interesting week, to be honest with you. We see we saw a lot of listings hit the market this week. Um, you know, we're up to twelve hundred and forty three listings on the market, which is Ooh. which is great. I mean, we well, we're, we've been stuck at a thousand for the longest time. We're at twelve hundred and forty three, and there was six hundred and sixty three that listed last week compared to four hundred seventy nine sales. So we're, we're seeing more listings, more opportunities now on the market. And when we look when I look at the numbers by week. We saw the listings are starting to skyrocket. We saw the sold properties had a sharp drop. And interestingly enough, we saw the average sale price with a drop as well. So it's hard to know what's going to happen with this market right now. You know, last year we saw that it started to taper off at around June. We might see that earlier this year. We might even see that as earlier as April where the market might taper off a little bit and get a little bit more flat. Um, You know, last year we saw the market just go crazy up until June and then it just sort of plateaued. And actually the average sale price went down by the end of the year, went down $12,000 from its its peak in June of last year. 
we might be peaking a little bit earlier this year. It all depends on what happens over the next couple of weeks. But as of right now, the market's a little bit strange last week. And we're, we're seeing, you know, the difference of holding back offers, no conveyance, homes sitting on the market after offer date, conditionally sold homes. So it's a, it's a bit of a, a different market right now. And it's, uh, it, but like I said, it's so fluid. I wasn't talking like this last week. Who yeah. knows what I'm talking like next week, right? It's so hard. I mean, my team will call me and they'll be like, so what's your prediction for this area next week? <laughs> no clue. <laughs> Give me a dartboard. <laughs> yeah, get a, get a dartboard because who knows? I mean, if we start seeing more listings hit the market, we might start to see the market slow down a little bit, which is not a bad thing because watching consumers – spend two, $250,000 over asking price is not fun to watch. I mean, yes, it's awesome for sellers, but it's really tough for buyers. I mean, watching people get outbid by all this money. And it, it's, I think as we can start getting more listings on the market, we're going to get less multiple offers. Um, we're going to have more choice for consumers. And, and I think we might see a little bit more of a teetering into a balance market. We're still in a really strong seller's market, but if we can get an, another, you know, by next week, if we can get another two, 300 listings on the market. We might start to push to more of getting closer to that, you know, one month, one and a half month inventory on the market right now. Which is great. Uh, buyers, to be, finally yeah. some more selection. Well, that's it, right? Yeah. That's it. The buyers, the buyers for the longest time had no selection. I mean, I, I would do searches for people and I'd look in a certain area. Like I'd look in, you know, townhouses in Canada. I'd be like, well, you got three to choose from. You know, it'd be where we're back in the day when we had tons of listings, you had 30 to choose from. Yeah. So it's it's a big, big difference from where we were, in, you know, anywhere from 2013 to 2017. If rates keep, continue trending where they are, I say the second half of this year might be a buyer's market, not even a seller's or balance market. It might go all the way down to a buyer's market. It, it, it's that, you know, it, I, I mean, when you look at mortgage payments now, when you look at the house prices today and what mortgage payments are at, I mean, you know, for the ones that own homes, renewals and refinances, they're okay. But any first-time home buyer looking to buy a house now, you know, they were spurred on a little bit by the fact that interest rates were in the ones and the twos. You start hitting the threes and the fours on the mortgage rates, and you look at what the payments are. For some people, they're better off to rent. I mean, it, it, because they cannot afford to buy based on where. So again, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it. Uh, if, you know, if, if we hit the balance market in the next two months and then teeter towards uh, closer to a buyer's market towards uh, towards the end of the year, just the way everything is going right now. Well, a seller's market is anywhere from zero to four months inventory on the market. Four to six is a balanced and six plus is a buyer's market. We are at about 0.8. So we're only eight months on market. So I don't think we will see a balanced market this year, um, but we will see a less of a strong uh, seller's market. We might see, you know, up to two months worth of inventory on the market, meaning if no other house hit the market, it would take two months for all these homes to sell. So, yeah, so we might, we might creep up a little bit. I don't think we'll ever hit a that. Well, I don't think we'll hit a balance market this year. That's for sure. Cause we're in such a strong seller's market. The thing is though, oh, based on some of the advertisements I hear though, I'm surprised there's any places on the markets, but any, <laughs> any properties on the oh, market. Yeah, when, you, anyway. when, you have tens, when you have tens of thousands of now buyers, database, <laughs> you got to think there's only 1,243 homes on the market. Those should be all sold. Should they with tens of thousands of buyers? <laughs> <laughs> the one thing for sure in this market, I've never seen a market change, turn on a dime as quickly. I have never seen. So what happened last June, we actually got caught with our pants down on some of our, our, our buyers because what we were doing is we were doing the right thing. We were telling people, oh, absolutely, you have to sell first. Sorry, you have to. Sorry, my bad. Absolutely, you have to buy first. So we had a couple of people who went and bought. The market shifted so quick 
we struggled to get their homes sold when homes were selling overnight. So now we're a little bit more cautious. We're telling people, yes, absolutely, you have to buy first. But this market can change on a dime. And we saw it change on a dime last year, and we might see it change on a dime this year. So, um, and you know, I, I, I'll be honest. If anyone tells you they know when it's going to change, they're, they're, you know, they should buy a lottery ticket because it's you just can't you can't predict what's happening in this market. We since this pandemic, this market's been so fluid that I've been honest enough in telling people there's times where we don't know what's going to happen. It's just so fluid, and usually I can predict exactly what's going to happen. Pretty hard to predict in this market what's going to happen. I just hope there's more listings that start to hit the market. Uh, you know, earlier on, I was telling people in January and February, get your home on the market, get your home on the market. I'm telling you right now. Get your home on the market because inventory is coming and it will slow down a little bit. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. Frank DiPolitano, Paul Rushforth here. And it's always nice to class it up a little bit when we get a special guest. Paul Taylor on the line, President and CEO of Mortgage Professionals Canada. How are you, Paul? I'm very well, thanks. How are you today? Wonderful. Your head must be spinning after talking to government officials all week. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, actually. Yeah. For, the, for the vast majority of those discussions, the MPs are actually really receptive to our uh, requests to them because I, I think they understand that it's really tough as a first-time buyer to get into the market all across the country, really. So... I think they're quite eager to hear any sort of ideas that people can bring forward to assist. A good reception from all parties, even the even the in power government. The individual MPs, absolutely good. Um, the policy folks, I think, have got a set certain preferences, if you will. But I think ideologically and uh, philosophically, they're certainly supportive of the notion that we need to do something to assist. And so what all of the- what was the top of the discussion this week, Paul? Well, so the, the Liberals, as part of their election. Um, platform promises suggested that they would be increasing the purchase price cap for mortgage insurance eligibility. That's a very big mouthful. Uh, But what it basically means is, at the moment, um, you can buy with a lower down payment provided the home value is under a million dollars. As soon as you cross the threshold of a million dollar purchase price, you need at least a 20% down payment. Um, That means that if you're a growing family, in any of the really urban areas, you need at least $200,000 and generally more because there are closing costs and legal fees and everything else. It's a, it's a big bite to take. So it, by increasing the purchase price eligibility for insurance, you actually bring that down payment requirement from 20% down to probably a little north of 8%. And that's uh, much more manageable, I think, for, for many growing families. Yeah, and a million dollars is no money anymore. It certainly isn't. I, you know, you can get sort of a one-bedroom condominium in Toronto, or I don't even think such a thing exists in Vancouver now for that price. But if you're moving into a townhouse or something, you really do have kind of two kids. Um, you you can't find anything it seems for less than a million, three million, four. So we're not talking about you know grand estates here or or millionaire um, locations. We really are looking after what we would consider to be young and aspiring middle-class interests. What are some of the other things the government can do to help out first-time homebuyers? That, that incentive program didn't seem to work very well. No, so um, that's really interesting you say that. We, we've been talking quite specifically about that program for a while, actually, and the uptake 
I think was about one third of the targeted expectation of the government. There's an awful lot of money still in that uh, pool that's been allocated that has not been issued. And it's really quite restrictive. Um, the, the, the program is actually so restrictive that if you qualified to take advantage of it, you would have qualified to purchase a home anyway. And that has a, a large part to do with why it really hasn't been very popular. If you could afford a home anyway, why would you want the government to be a co-owner of your property? Really quite dissuasive. Um, we've been suggesting instead, and again, quite specifically for first-time buyers, that a, an insurable 30-year amortization be permitted. At the moment, the maximum length that you can use that reduced down payment structure we were just talking about a moment ago of your mortgage is 25 years. Um, if we were permitting that to be stretched to 30 years, again, only for first-time buyers, it makes the first few years' worth of payments a little bit reduced, makes the housing a little bit more accessible for those folks, uh, and it's much simpler for the lenders to implement. They've been issuing 30-year amortizations for, I would say, forever <laughs> in yeah. a practical sense. Yeah. But, and anyone with a down payment uh, larger than 20% has had this available to them for a long time. So given that the market has been as tight as it has for a while, we have all seen first-time buyers have been competing really with investor purchases. They're handcuffed somewhat because they can't manage their cash flow quite as freely as the investors can, which seems a little upside down to us. So acknowledging that we have sort of a shortage supply across the country, our policy should really be focused around the people that we want to promote, the people that would be the owner-occupiers, over the you know investor purchases, I would suggest. So trying to create some policy that gives them a, a leg up in that bidding process, we think is smart policy. Why wouldn't we make that 30-year amortization across the board? Aside, not only first-time homebuyers, people are living so much longer now. I mean, that 25 years is so outdated. It's uh, It was put in place at a time, I think, when uh, it seems probably silly now in retrospect, but governments have been very concerned about the escalating price of real estate for a number of years and they didn't want anybody to over leverage um oh like they do <laughs> well yeah yeah it's a little tongue-in-cheek we've definitely had such low interest rates for so long that um governments have certainly been able to suggest that they can borrow tremendous amounts of money but it's not really going to be quite as difficult for them as previous governments because the carrying costs of the debt so low, but they, they are not big fans of a highly indebted population, even though the same sort of math applies. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, good, it's good debt though, Paul. Um, it, it's certainly better debt than any sort of other discretionary income. The concern that the policymakers always have, and you've got to be fair to them, if somebody purchases a, a home at the very peak of a market, this is always what they're concerned about, and they're leveraged to the maximum, if house prices start to turn direction, then that individual will find themselves with more debt than equity. Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot of those people to create a bit of a flood of inventory on the market because people have to sort of get out of the debt obligation, and that has its own economic consequences. Now, the likelihood of that happening is really quite small, and the discussions we've always had with uh, the economic policy folks is actually very specifically tied to that. Um, we definitely do need more support. There's a, always a very small percentage of individuals. Interest rates actually generally don't 
correlates to defaults very highly. I'm sure Frank's actually talked on the show many times about this before. Employment status is. So the, the idea that there would be a, an employment shock actually is potentially far more detrimental to the market than would be an interest rate rise. Yeah, but not for Frank's clients. Frank is so good with his clients. Ottawa's in a bubble, though. I mean, Ottawa is a little bit different. I mean, I think the employment in Ottawa has always been extremely strong, and sometimes we're blinded by that. I would agree with that, actually, Frank. I think just given the nature of the employment and the number of individuals that government employees they have tremendously better job security than almost every other industry segment, and so... Uh, it's a very stable market there from a, a mortgage perspective. When is the next Liberal budget, Paul? Do you know off the top of your head? You must know. Uh, they actually haven't set a date yet, and I'm suspecting that given what's happening with Ukraine and the instability that it actually creates, they'll probably try and delay as long as they can, but I would assume somewhere between 8 and 10 weeks from now. And do you see any home changes in the budget? Any, anything that you know, first-time home buyers will be able to grab onto? Well, I, I, I know for certain, just because all three of the parties, or major parties, I should say, had housing budgets set aside to create new supply, whether it be for new construction of social, new construction of market, you are going to see large numbers budgeted quite specifically to assist with the creation and the addition of new housing, which is absolutely necessary. Right? Kudos to everybody that included those sorts of sentiments. We are really hopeful that there will be some mechanisms like an insurable 30-year AM for first-time home buyers. That's actually really why we were in Ottawa all week, mm-hmm. um, knowing that the budget is coming. The faster that gets implemented, that's from our perspective, the better. And similarly, that mortgage insurance purchase price raise was an election promise. The longer we wait to implement that, the less it will mean because home prices continue to rise. It's a little bit like we're trying to catch a moving train. So if we wait until next year or the year following, which is what we have some concern the Liberal government may do, they've just formed an alliance, which in their minds, I think, guarantees that they'll run the full four-year mandate. If you wait till the end of your term, though, to implement that thing, inflation will already have superseded the increased limit that they're talking about. So they really do need to implement that as quickly as possible for it to have the maximum benefit. Any questions, gentlemen, before we go to break? No, that was no, I mean, I, I, very informative. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I had the opportunity. Uh, we met with a number of MPs. I mean, Paul, like I said, had many more meetings than I did, uh, but we met with a number of them at a face-to-face uh, event, and, uh, boy, there was a lot of buy-in. They certainly respect our association. We're probably the association that spends the most time with them. No, Paul, is that true, or...? Oh, very much so. Mortgage Professionals Canada has been recognized by the Hill Times and other organizations as being one of the most active uh, government presenters in Canada, um, not just within our space. We, we definitely want... And housing is just such a hot-button topic. We have great uh, members like Frank, actually, that are tremendously assistive in continuing to ensure that our messaging is heard. Um, but we are, as a group, actually really quite blessed to have an awful lot of really active volunteers assistance with that. Well, we're glad to have you. And Thanks. I was looking after, but I was looking after the best interest of Canadians. I know yeah. a lot of people think while they're doing it, you know, to support mortgage brokers and mortgage agents. We're not. We actually go there specifically with the consumer's best 
interest in mind, and that's what we promote because whether they get their mortgage through a mortgage broker or a bank, we want Canadians to have that. You know, we need politicians to understand what's going on in the market because we're not always 100% sure that the bank is giving the right message like we are. 100%. The other thing, I think, just for consumers to understand is government representatives actually probably don't care whether mortgage brokerage businesses are successful or not. They are very much more concerned with the fate of their own constituents. And so when we're putting positions forward, it is all about the best interests of middle and aspiring middle class Canadians. Otherwise, frankly, our messaging would fall on deaf ears. Hey, thanks for joining us, Paul. Some great insight there. And let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back with Paul Rushforth and Frank DiPolitano. This is Steve Gregory. All right. So what's going on with rates this week, Frank? Oh, boy. Talk about trending upwards. Oh, my Lord. Uh, And and why why are we not hearing anything about this? Because it's it's done very gradually, and and, and you know, in, in all fairness to the lenders, uh, the bond market's doing it very gradually. So every day it's that five, eight, ten, twelve basis point increase, and they just you know, banks used to wait until they hit that quarter point, and then they would do it, and of course make headlines. Now they're just doing it all the time. So this week again, we had three different days including some lenders that sent us emails at between 6 and 8 o'clock last night saying that the rates are going up effective at midnight. So we didn't even have a chance to be able to go in there and send our files in to lock in rates. And they gave us absolutely no opportunity to do that. So, you know, it's just the stage we're at. And like I said before, I mean, we are we are about to touch 4% on five-year fixed rates on many of the products that we offer. So, uh, boy, what a change from... 14 months ago, where we were still in the ones on most of our products. I mean, that's how quickly it's happened. And um, does this put us back now? News. Does, I mean, it's, does this put us back pre-pandemic? Are we exactly where we were pre-pandemic, or a little higher? Higher now, yeah. We're higher than we were pre-pandemic now. So, so everything we've had in the last two years, everything we've gone through now, we're we're even higher than we were before. So, Which is scary. Uh, like I said, I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's scary, but you know, at the end of the day, if you've been a homeowner. Yeah, if your mortgage is up for renewal this year, it kind of sucks. It would have been better if your mortgage was up for renewal last year, but that's just timing. But you may have to consider taking a variable. I mean, unless you you feel like rates are going to continue to go up, I don't feel that. I just, I don't know. I mean, with everything else that's happening around us, I think at some point we're going to hit a wall, like Canadians are going to hit a wall and, and stop, start, you know, holding back on their spending. I think we're starting to see it a little bit, but it's, it, you know, that's going to grow a little bit and therefore it's going to impact the economy. It's going to slow the economy down and then they're going to have to come up with a solution. And the solution, you know, my, my fear and like Paul said, you know, job losses, they really, really, you know, they really look at the job market and as an indicator well, I think if people stop spending money, there's going to be a, a whole bunch of job losses. And once the job losses start to take effect, then at that point, we're really going to start to see the recession, a potential recession hit us. And then we're going to have to go the other way around. That's why a variable might be a good idea. If you feel that that's going to happen, yeah. then you're better off to take a variable because let the rates come down a little bit and then be able to lock it in at that point. 
but if you think that this train is going to continue to roll and rates are going to skyrocket, then lock in sooner rather than later. It's, what, it's what's, certainly a personal choice. What's the spread now between variable and fixed? Almost two percentage points in wow. some cases. So it's big. Like, like it's a big spread right now. I mean, it's definitely 1.5%, but depending on the product you take, could be as high as 2%. So it's definitely worth considering a variable and just – being prepared. Again, we've got some banks and lenders out there that have what's called an adjustable rate mortgage. So it's very similar to a variable rate mortgage, except for what happens is your payments don't change. If prime rate were to go up, your payments don't change, which again, seems backwards, especially if you're buying a house with 5% down, because what happens is your amortization actually goes above 25 years if, if the interest rates go up, but your payment stays the same and the bank leaves the payment the same. So um, for some people that are worried about their payments going up, that's an option that's out there for us as well. How much concern from your clients, Paul, on rates going up? Are they, are they getting a little more antsy to get into a place now, or you haven't seen anything yet? Thanks for calling on me. I forgot I was on the show. <laughs> Thanks for calling on me. <laughs> they are. They are getting antsy. But the problem is, is because there's not a lot of exposure on the rates, what we're seeing is like, for example, Frank said the rates went up three times this week. I had no, I had no clue, but I'm in the industry. I had no clue, right? So I think the consumers don't even realize how quick and how hard these rates have gone up. You know, it's you know, like Frank said, they've they've gone up what two two? Would you say over two percent in the last fourteen months? Yeah, yeah. So of it's course. Like, so I think what we're seeing right now is when people are you know getting off the fence to try to get into the market now, and they're like, "What? I'm almost at four percent for a rate." They don't even know. So it's, it's kind of like a perfect storm where you got the rates going through the roof and you got the prices going through the roof. Like with rates almost at 4%, your average sale price in Ottawa at 722000 it's starting to become unaffordable to, to buy here in, in Ottawa. It's, it's, it's actually scary. I mean, I think about, you know, my kids and everyone else's kids who are looking to buy one day. What are they going to buy? I mean, I'm lucky I have investment properties that they can rent because otherwise there's there's not nothing that they're going to be able to afford to buy with the way the prices are going. And who would have thought that three, four years ago? Well, who would have thought that pre-pandemic? I mean, we were yeah. still reasonable. I mean, our average sale price pre-pandemic was 529000 Now we're at seven twenty two. In two years, we're almost up $200,000. That's like unheard of. I mean, we're used to in Ottawa, we're used to average sale price going up anywhere between one, four, 5% max. I mean, that's a big year if you're up at five, six percent. But now we're talking about 42% over the last uh, two years. And then we're already up 32% this year alone after February. Our average sale price was up $76,000 in two months at, at, at a peak of six seventy six forty six. So I mean, it's the average sale price is going through the roof and it's just skyrocketing quickly, just you, like the rents. You see that trend continuing when we get the March numbers? You know what? I don't know. I think our number of sales, and I, I hate to predict it because it's, it's I, I think the number of sales are probably going to be somewhat up. Uh, I think the average sale price will be up, but we're, don't forget we're comparing March over last March, right? So I think we might be up, but I don't know how much we're going to be up. Um, so it's, I, I always love, especially over the last two years, I always love the end of the month or well, the start of the next month to see where the numbers are because they usually shock me every single month. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens this month. But our average sale price, last week alone, the average sale price actually went down a little bit. So we'll see what happens at the end of the month. Starting to read more. Hey, Paul, I'm curious to hear because Steve was nice enough to send us an article he came across this week where – Again, I think it's uh, maybe the cousin of the guy who made the prediction two years ago where real estate prices were going to drop. And all of a sudden, another article comes out where, uh, you know, they're talking about potentially as much as a 24% drop 
by 2024 uh, with real estate prices. I disagree with that. I don't see that. I do see us flattening a little bit. Um, you know, and when is that going to occur? I think we'll probably start to flatten potentially as early as April, but I don't see us going down 24%. In fact, I don't see us going down. If anything, I see us being flat. I was talking to my real estate coach this year and he's, uh, or this week, sorry. And he has, he's got his pulse on the market like you wouldn't believe. But now he has his pulse on every market because he has clients in Australia and Costa Rica. So he has his pulse on every market. He knows the American market the best, which is coupled with the Canadian market. And he's predicting we're going to have another, we're going to have a really good run for the next four years is what he's predicting. And I hope he's right. And I mentioned the fact that there was an article that came out that said, uh, in, was it Canada or Ontario is going to go down 24%? I think they said Canada, right? Yeah. Canada. Yeah. yeah. Canada is going to go down 24% uh, by, by 2024. And he laughed at that. He's like, there's no way, especially I know your market is so insulated. I know a lot of Canadian markets. We're going to see some volatility in Vancouver and Toronto for sure. Um, but we always do see volatility in Toronto. I mean, and Vancouver, they're, they're kind of like a yin and a yang. One year they're crazy up, next year they're crazy down. Like they're yin and yang, right? So right now they're, they're enjoying an incredible run just like we are in Ottawa. But uh, who knows if that's coming to an end. You think the yeah, game- I just struggle with the fact that we still have a supply issue. I mean, as long as we have a supply issue, I find it hard to believe that house prices are going to come down, especially if you start incorporating 400,000 immigrants that are expected to come into Canada this year, another 400,000 next year. Last I checked, that's another 800,000 people that are looking for housing, and we already have a supply issue. So unless that supply issue is addressed, I, like it's hard for me to understand how housing prices can come down. In 2013 to 2017, uh, our average sale price went up 1.6%, 1.2, 1.6, and 1.2. In those years, that's where we carried the most amount of listings we've ever had. So to Frank's point, as we get way more supply, we're going to see our average sale price peter off a little bit. So when we have a really bad supply issue, that's why our price is doing what it's doing. As we get more supply, and if the government does change things, we get some more housing, it will slow things down. So it's, uh, it's you know, we're not going to be doing this forever, but it's it's, it's hard to say that we're going to go through a, a drop when we have no supply whatsoever. It's, it's, I mean, people still need housing. They need to move. They need to live somewhere. So I can't see that drop happening anytime. 521-TALK, 521-8255, back with our final segment after this. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. Having a nice talk with Chris off the air here. Remember, Chris, producer extraordinaire. No wonder we're sounding so good today, huh? Uh, You know, Frank just just told me. He's got two kids. Yeah, yeah. He's got two kids now, a four-year-old and almost a two-year-old, so... Lots happened with Chris, Mr. Christian Weiss. Well, I don't know if a lot's happened, but we know two things that have happened. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only happened two times. <laughs> Going to need a bigger house. Going to need a bigger house. Can you find him a bigger house, Paul? Yeah, for, for about $1.2 million. Hey, when you're talking to your clients now, Paul, are you asking them if they're uh, pre-approved recently? No, you have to. You have to with the rates going up and, uh, you know, their pre-approvals, they, they have to be make sure they're recently pre-approved for sure. You know, the hardest thing that we have to do right now with people is we get a lot of calls on our listings. And so, you know, we used to back in the day, you'd actually meet with the people before going to show them the house. Yeah. But the way millennials are now, especially with COVID, people don't want to sit in an office and meet you. They want to go see you at the house. So building that rapport and that trust with someone 
with just meeting them for the first time at a house, the hardest thing we have to do is when they love the house, we have to then show them, explain to them the comparables of what homes are selling for, what they expect to pay. And it's so hard to say, you know, Frank and Steve, I know we just met you, but if you want this house that's listed at 800, you might have to go to 1.1. That's the hardest thing we have to do because we just met these people and they look at us like, what? Are you a slimy salesperson telling us yeah. that? But the truth is we, so that's why our, our, the, one of the biggest things in our job right now is actually then explaining to people and showing them the evidence of, okay, here's one that listed at 800, went for 1.1. Here's one at 800, went for a million fifty. Here's one at 800, it went for this. So explaining to them what it actually, what it's going to take to get this house. And you know what? Probably 50% of the time, they have to they have to actually lose a couple to realize what's really happening in the market. And that's when we realize, you know what? You've lost two. Are you ready to listen now to show what, so you can see what's exactly happening in this market? Because some people still aren't abreast of what's happening. They, they, they know it's a crazy market. Sometimes they don't think it's that crazy. And so it's showing them the evidence and, and having to build that rapport and trust right away is probably the biggest challenge in our job right now. Yeah, but now just as they come on board to accepting that, it could go the other way if we get more listings. <laughs> Well, I could, it could, but I mean, that's, that's why our team is very, um, well, we're very training focused and, and we study the market. I mean, you, you could talk to any realtor on my team and they know exactly what's going on in every area of the city. Uh, obviously they specialize a little bit more in, in, in some areas, but you know, they'll know days on market. They'll know the hot new listings, how long things are sitting. Uh, they'll know all that stuff. Cause you have to, I mean, you've got to be educated in today's market. And, you know, I, probably in the last, I'd say three months, I've approached by two people who wanted to join my company on a part-time basis. And I'm like, yeah. You can't do real estate part-time. I mean, if you want to sell to your brothers and your friends and all that, sure, you can. But real estate part-time when the market's like this can't be done. You have to be knowledgeable. You have to be studying the market. I pretty much study the market every single day, sometimes twice a day to see yeah. what things are selling for. You have to. And if you don't, you're just not the professional that, that people will call. You've got to know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's more than a full-time job these days. It is. It is. It is. You know what? I, I remember my coach years ago said to me, just pretend you go to a you know stockbroker and you say you know what's uh, what's uh, Apple trading at today? Oh, let me just check for you. You know what's the Dow at today? And you know what's you know what's this stock at today? They don't know those answers. Would you really invest a hundred thousand dollars with that person? Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with realtors. If they don't know the numbers of what things are selling for and what's going on in the area, why are you investing your money with these people? Right? That's something you've got to know. And it's it's and especially in this market, which is so fluid and changing every second. Like you you, you got to know what's going on. You got to be educated. Frank, has the posted rate changed? Posted rates really haven't changed that much. A couple of the banks have increased them a little bit. I mean, that's, believe it or not, I mean, if there's if there's anything that's good in this is that because the posted rate hasn't changed and the discounted rates have, have gone, um, you know, up like they have, at least the gap between the uh, the posted rate and the contract rate that the bank gives you is much less so that, if you do have to break your mortgage two or three or four years down the road, your penalty will be much more reasonable today than it would have been a year ago. But, uh, you know, it's not going to take long. I, I suspect that most of the banks within the next uh, couple of weeks will raise their posted rates tremendously. See, now, now if that happens, you really want, don't want to go with a bank if you can avoid it, right? Because if you ever do have to get out of that mortgage and the posted rates are, have gone up in the next two years, yep. it will cost you a fortune to get out of it. So much. And it's such an unfair penalty. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. I've got a client that is buying another home and they have a current mortgage with three years left at 1.77%. But 
but they need an additional, they're, they're upsizing, so they need an additional $300,000. And the bank has said to them, you're better off to break your mortgage and start a brand new one. And the client says, that makes no sense. Like, can't I blend this rate? And well, let me see what we can do. I've got to go to my head office. And it's and and then she asked the banker, she said, so if I have to break the mortgage, like, are you guys giving me money back? Because I'm breaking 1.77 and you guys are going to put me at three and a half. And she goes, no, actually, the penalty was something like $8,000. So not only is the bank now relending that money out at almost 2% higher, but they're also penalizing the client. So... Uh, well, why, know, why wouldn't they the blend? Part. Why wouldn't they blend, Frank? Well, I think they have to go to head office. I think what they tried to do is, hey, you know, you're an employee. You're, you're, you're going to try and do what's in, in the best, you know, what works for the bank best and not necessarily what works for the client. So, you know, in that circumstance, uh, they were kind of hoping that the client would say, oh, okay, if I have to do that, then I guess I'm going to do that. But this client wow. was a little smarter and said, that doesn't make any sense. Don't take advantage of me because... I'm going to leave you all together if this is what, what yeah. you're going to do to me. So yeah, in no sen- I'm going to in, pull all my stuff. Amazing. In no possible scenario would an $8,000 penalty even equal a blended. Like Zero. There's, there's no way that would be possible. Zero. Like it's it, it's a lose, lose, lose for the client, and it's a win, win, win for the bank in that circumstance. Again, you know, the banker tried, and uh, and I think the customer hold them accountable, and I'm hoping. She said she'll let me know this week, uh, but the banker had to go to head office to see if they will allow her to blend the mortgage, um, you know, with the new one once they buy their new property. Yeah, so if they totally unfair. If they don't, bye-bye. She's out. Yeah. She's out. Yeah. She said, I'm pulling everything, everything, including all my RSPs, all my mutual funds, everything from there. And did she tell them she knows Paul Rushforth or no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why they're screwing her. <laughs> Birthdays, Frank. Yeah, I got a couple. Uh, uh, Renee McNeil from my office, uh, who just had her best year ever, uh, left the bank and became a mortgage broker just a short three years ago. Won the Rookie of the Year award a couple of years ago, and uh, just is absolutely just killing it right now. And uh, one of your biggest fans still, Steve, even though she doesn't hear you on the radio anymore every uh, during the day. Kate Coley, our receptionist, just had her big birthday this week, and my nephew Michael celebrating his birthday. I have one, uh, one of my best buds, Rick LeMay, uh, Mr. Shoebeer from the uh, Red Black game. He celebrates his birthday tomorrow, and he's sitting on the beach in Costa Rica as we as we as we talk here. So happy birthday, Rick! Oh, you're gonna have to gonna have to speak louder, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good for Rick, man. Good guy. Great, Great. guy. Yeah. Paul at paulrushworth.com, Frank N at mortgagebrokersottawa.com. Let's see what this week brings us. Have a good one, gentlemen. You too, guys. Thanks, and support businesses and charities, please local ones.